Welcome to the Fully Delighted Podcast, a hopeful and helpful resource from South Mountain Community Church, a multi-site church in Utah. Each week we will be hearing from our staff as we explore what makes SMCC unique, as well as what it means to be fully devoted and fully delighted in Jesus Christ. We hope this podcast can be a helpful resource for you to take your next step with Jesus. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fully Delighted Podcast. My name is Adam and I get to serve as the Campus Support Team Director here at South Mountain Community Church. And with me today, I've got um, a usual guest, our lead pastor, Paul Roby, and then also a guest um, that we've not had, uh, well, we have had on the show before, a mm-hmm. previous season, uh, but we got Kyle Davis here, our Next Steps pastor from our Draper campus. Guys, welcome back to the show. Glad to be here, man. Good to be here. Looking forward to it. Excellent, excellent. Um, So what I want to do here today is continue on with our, uh, basically our study of Galatians. So if you missed episode one, probably helpful to go back and be able to kind of read and and listen to where we're at in this study of Galatians. Um, In fact, I had a couple different people email from last week just saying, oh, that was was really helpful, wanted some more notes on... (laughs) What we had been discussing, um, so it was, it was cool to hear uh, people uh, engaging with this content. Uh, but what we want to do, just if you kind of want to prep yourselves, uh, maybe you're sitting down, maybe you're, maybe you're in the car, maybe you're working out or doing something. But uh, what we want to do is read through the entire section that we're going to cover for today, and then you can actually open to it um, and continue on with us or just listen to us. So what I'm going to do is start off from where we left off. We left off in Uh, verse 9. So I'm going to start in verse 10 of chapter 1 in Galatians. And uh, Paul, is it true? I mean, it seems to be generally speaking, we use the NIV generally. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And and kind of the original NIV, 1977. Oh, all right. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead. Not the T-N-I-V. Oh. That's today's N-I-V. Okay. <laughs> Got to bring it back. Yeah. Paul's a pure old school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go ahead and read, and uh, everybody listening can just go ahead and pop on in and see where we're at. So verse 10, chapter 1 of Galatians. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God, or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that I am writing you that what I'm writing you is no lie. Then I went to Syria and Cilicia. I, pers- I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praise God because of me. 
So that's the end of chapter one. So where do we want to start with looking at this, guys? What information yeah. are, are we kind of looking at and, and gleaning from this? I think verse 10 is interesting because he's talking about uh, his status as an apostle uh, being very aware that his first loyalty and his first responsibility is to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I understand that we're supposed to love people, but here he's saying... Pleasing people and loving people are two different things. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, and I think it especially contrasts with what he talked about. If you go back to the episode that we talked about last week, the Judaizers who were mixing and matching the gospel and the law because the law makes them look good. The gospel says, you know, we've all fallen short, but the, the works, the law is like, hey, I'm, I'm a little bit better than you. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look better than you compared to other people. And this is kind of what Paul's saying, you know, if, am I trying to win the approval of human beings? Am I trying to use the law to make myself look good? No, because I'm not trying to serve people. I'm trying to serve God because, mm-hmm. because God's the one who called me, which is kind of that transition into that next verse in uh, chapter 11 about God's calling on Paul's life. And so, yeah, Paul, talk to us about calling. Like, what, is, what does that mean? Well, I, I do want to talk about that. Uh, but what comes to my mind with what you just said was the temptation, and this is the Achilles heel of the church, and it always mm-hmm. has been, and that is to respond to culture. And, you know, forever, uh, you know, I'm old enough to have lived through the 60s, <laughs> and uh, evangelicalism came about as a, a reaction against the liberalism of the 60s, and this idea that we kind of need to reinterpret Paul mm-hmm. and, and uh, take a new look at Scripture as, as not necessarily direct revelation from God, but mm-hmm. you know these are guidelines, these are culturally informed, and so let's not get crazy here, people, and take the Bible literally, all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. And, and I'm telling you, it just about sunk the, the, the ship of the church. If it wasn't for evangelical Christianity and a real commitment to the Word of God as true, mm. we, there wouldn't be a church anymore. And so I think we're going through a new phase of that right now. Yeah. And I hate to use the word wokeism, but you know, I don't, that ha- kind of has some political implications to it. And so I, that's not probably the word I want to use exactly, but just this idea that somehow... We need to fit in better with cultures and kind of play play well with others, uh, mm. kind of get along, uh, and therefore maybe take some of the hard edges off of Christianity in order mm. for people to like us more. Yeah. Well, that has never worked. Mm-hmm. We just need to stay true to the Scripture. What, Kyle, can you think of an area uh, of our culture that's very current that... Uh, is a real temptation for churches to compromise on. Oh, man. Uh, where to choose from? Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, authority of Scripture is a big one right now, especially uh, for those of you who are not listening. I'm in my late 20s. My generation tends to take authority in a very loose term uh, that we... We like, we like authority when we like who's in charge, but the second they say something we don't agree with, it's, I, I don't want to submit to that we authority. We them. Yeah, we can't. It, that's true. That is a cancel culture is a big part of mm-hmm. my generation, which is unfortunate. But that authority, and I love what you said, that the, gos- like the gospel in the Bible is true. Not necessarily literal, mm-hmm. but it is true and right. trustworthy. And so, yeah, I think the church is just, it's, there's a lot of temptation to go along with culture to say, 
hey, the Bible's the Bible's authoritative. You sh- you should do kind of you know like we we kind of softball it in rather than you know Jesus says, hey, living this particular way apart from me is going to lead to not only eternal consequences but yeah your life is going to be un- is going to be less delightful because of it mm. the reason i ask that question is that we're trying to also demonstrate um kind of like the technique of reading the bible how do we read the bible when we read the bible we're asking questions and so when we run across something like this approval you know i i was not here trying to win the approval of human beings we can stop and ask ourselves Am I trying to win the approval of other human beings, or am mm-hmm. I really committed to living my life for the audience of one uh, as being approved unto the Lord? You know, that's yeah. how we want to read the Bible. We want to stop and ask ourselves questions, and then as church leaders, we're asking, "Hey, where are we most most likely to kind of give up on commitment to yeah. truth in order to kind of just get along and get more people in our pews, yeah. right? And get more people in the church. So, yeah, right. yeah you talk about Paul. The rest of the the rest of the first this first chapter is really dedicated to Paul's calling mm-hmm. uh, as an apostle. Uh, but one of the things that he brings up right away is this idea that he was given revelation. He said that he did not receive this revelation from any man, but was taught it, and that's and it's mm-hmm. really the gospel here uh, by. God. It was revelation received directly from Jesus Christ. And it takes us back to the road to Damascus. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Apostle Paul's knocked off his horse. He's blinded by a bright light. He hears a voice. And this is recorded three times in the book (laughs) of Acts. So we really know his story. Uh, And uh, he was saying, you know, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Uh, Why do you continue to kick against the goads? This, (laughs) This idea of a stick that mm. uh, is used to shepherd. Mm. And and so, obviously, he was called by God. He was yanked from a pharisaical... He was a rabbi. He's a student of the school of Gamaliel. Gamaliel, yeah. That's a hard word for me to say. <laughs> uh, and so, basically, he's he's presenting a... Ivy League education yeah. in the scriptures. He's representing a top-notch re- moral record mm-hmm. as a Jew. He's got the respect of all the Jews. He's a persecutor of the church, and then he's saying, I was yanked from that, and I was made an apostle of Jesus Christ. And, it, and to me, it begs the question, is this what God does all the time? I mean, when you read the Old Testament, you see that Moses was basically set aside as a child to be this, mm. you know, prophet of God, leader yep. of Israel, yep. uh, Elijah, Elisha, uh, different people like that, where God just reaches down and says, you, you, you're going to take my word to my people, you're going you're gonna to spread my fame in a special way that other people don't have this same calling. Uh, John, uh, the, John the Baptist, oh, yeah. from birth... And and now he's filled with the Spirit, and it's like he didn't make a meaningful choice to be filled with the Spirit and to represent Jesus Christ. It was on his life by God. And so, sure. again, it is that question, is this what God does all the time, or is this a special circumstance? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, these are the kind of questions that come to my mind when I read this type of Scripture. And I'm the kind of person that says, wow, wow. Uh, 
this is very special. This is how many people got knocked off their horse, heard the voice of Christ calling them into apostleship. Yeah. Yeah. One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so a very small sample size. So to read this and then to make a case for Calvinism, for instance, in, Mm. in terms of this is how God always operates. He just chooses those he loves and, and the rest of the people can go to hell um, is is really problematic to me because I believe that God is sovereign, which means he operates as a king. And instead of uh, controlling every outcome, he supervises or superintends all things, uh, moving history toward his purposes. Yeah. And th- those are two different things. No. Again, it's like the game is rigged, uh, and, and I love uh, this illustration that I got from uh, Leighton Flowers, uh, Soteriology 101 YouTube uh, subscription, if, you, if you're interested. And he talks about playing the game of chess. Is, is the game rigged? Or is this a situation where God is so wise, so powerful, so influential, mm. and so intentional that he wins every single game of chess mm. against the world, against Satan, against whatever? Okay. He's not powerless. He can do whatever he wants. Obviously, he can reach down and say you to yeah. Paul, and you to Moses, and you to John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. And he can do that, when, but he doesn't want to do that so often that he ruins the concept of freedom, yeah. the idea that we make meaningful choices in life. And so God does that enough to propel his gospel forward, but he doesn't do it all the time so that he, he takes away our human agency. Yeah, the ability to make good choices or or real choices, and it, your response to that, Kyle? Uh, yeah, I mean, I a hundred percent agree that we uh, we tend to take extraordinary circumstances, and because they're so extraordinary, and we love those stories. Everyone loves the oh, John the Baptist in his womb saw Jesus in that womb, and they jumped for joy. Mm-hmm. Like we love those experiences, and we love to read about them. We want them to be true for ourselves, which is. An admirable goal. We all want to be closer to we God. We want to all feel special. Yeah, we all want to feel special. And we want to feel like God is is personally involved in our lives, not realizing that because of what Jesus did on the cross, he already is. And so we take an extraordinary circumstance and make it a normative principle that, hey, this is how all calling is. Like For those of you who are listening who don't know, I'm actually from the East Coast, and the East Coast has a very different kind of view of calling. We say, Oh, I was I was called to missions, or I was called to ministry, I was called to marry my wife, or I was called to it, calling kind of gets thrown around a lot. So, you know, Paul, if this is what calling means to Paul the apostle, uh, like God, yeah, you down here, Paul the apostle, how would we say calling works today? Mm. Yeah, I I think we're all called to live for God. Mm. That's a it's, it's a general calling. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that God can't make a specific call on someone's life and mm. I always have this argument with other pastors cuz I'm the only pastor they've ever met who doesn't claim to be called into ministry. <laughs> <laughs> he like, fell into okay. it. <laughs> you know, I it's like, okay, I'm equipped. I'm gifted, I'm motivated. Mm-hmm. Oh, that doesn't qualify as a calling. You have to have some kind of mystical experience. I just don't agree with that. Yeah. I, I just think this is a a privilege. And mm-hmm. and 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 it's uh it's something that it's a responsibility that I think a person needs to own instead of 
hiding behind the fact that, oh, I was called, I didn't have a choice in the matter, I had mm-hmm. to do this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, God is not glorified when people talk like that, because mm. it makes it sound like it was reluctant. Like I went like, kicking and screaming. Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I want to say, no, what a privilege, what an opportunity. I am so thankful for the opportunity to serve Christ in this way. Yeah. Uh, all glory be to God, because He's the one who equipped, He's the one who motivates me, yeah. He's the one that... Uh, loved me in such a way that I wanted to love him back and serve him in this way. That's, yeah. I, I think, I think that's it's, way. I think it's super interesting, Paul, and I had not, uh, really before I came here, never, honestly, never really thought of um, calling or freedom in, in any of that sense or form. What's interesting to me is now looking back at it, and it's not always this way, but I, can't, I think in a general, Christ, let's just call it a general Christian subculture or culture, um, it can sometimes have these roots back to um, a form of religion where it can kind of mm-hmm. tie your hands up a little bit. And it's like, man, I'm miserable doing what I'm doing, but I was, quote, called to do it. Um, and, uh, and it's just interesting. You know, you see this, my, my wife is very big into um, missions and, and studying. And you, we actually share a book that I read in college you have on your bookshelf, Paul. Um, what, it's... Uh, the road to uh, Jerusalem, and, to Jerusalem to Erie and Jaya. That's it by yeah. Ruth Tucker, and it's basically a collection of all these uh, missionaries' mm-hmm. stories. And um, and it's interesting, you know, when you as you read those, even though they went through really trying things, they had uh, so many of them just had a joy in what they were doing as well. And I think it's not because they felt like as much hand tied, like I have to do this, but wow, like you're saying, wow, mm-hmm. what a privilege, what an honor I get to do this. I w- I'm equipped to do this. I've got um, the resourcing, the the personality traits, the gifting for these things yeah. that I've been mm-hmm. given, and now I get to go and use them in this particular way. And so we're saying, let's let's just honor God's choice of the Apostle Paul to do what he yeah. was called to do, and not try to make this normative for every single person. Yeah. If you're out there and you're reading the Scripture and you're really motivated to serve Christ, but you're saying, I'm waiting to be called... Yeah. I don't. I don't think you need to do that. <laughs> I agree. And like, I mean, realistically, like, I mean, you ever look at the lives of those people who were called? I don't know if I want those lives. I mean, Moses right. <laughs> had a rough day. So did Paul. So did John mm-hmm. the Baptist. Like, they did yeah. not. Those stories didn't usually go super well. And the, for me, just as a personal, like, this is how, like, the call to ministry was. I like you. I never experienced that mystical thing. It was, hey, this is what I'm good at. This mm-hmm. is where God, the kingdom of God needs help. Uh-huh. And I have the ability to step into that role. That for me yeah. is super freeing uh, because I'm not waiting on like, a, oh man, I, th- I think I want to help the under underprivileged kids in the city, but God didn't call me to that. I'm like, mm-hmm. do you have the ability to help? Great. God has called passion you. For yeah. it. God, has, yeah. God has called you to do the work that he has set forth through Christ mm-hmm. of making the world more Christian, making the world more like Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Another thing that gets mixed up uh, is this idea of personal revelation. In mm. verse 11, it says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. This, I'll just say it this way. If everybody gets to receive revelation directly from Jesus Christ, then it's meaningless when the Apostle Paul says something like that. Yeah. In other words, yeah. his words, his, his writings have to have an elevated position in our lives, and, and that statement that he made was an appeal 
to that so that we should take his writings and put that on the highest level of scripture, it's Mm -hmm. revelation. And so when somebody says, God spoke to me or God, you know, um, wanted me to, he wants me to do this or that, or Mm -hmm. uh, I have a word from God for you, Paul, this is what God's saying to you through me. I'm like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hear it. But at the same time, it's nowhere near what the Apostle Paul has received in terms of revelation. Yeah. And I mean, realistically, he he backs that up with a lot of evidence of like, hey, for three years, I wasn't even near the apostles. That's how you know this came from God is because I didn't mm-hmm. learn it. There was no one else to learn it from. And right. when I spent, when I went to go see Cephas, who was Peter, mm-hmm. uh, I only spent two weeks. It wasn't enough time for him to teach me all this other stuff. Like there's severe evidence. And then I love that he points to his own life, that how I intensely persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it from verse 13, that the greatest evidence of God's revelation to Paul was his own life change, which is what mm. Jesus does through the cross, through a lot of believers all around the world today is, hey, when you hear the revelation that God has put in his written word, mm-hmm. your life will drastically look different. You know, I love that, Kyle. I'll just make a quick point. You know, one of the strongest evidences of revelation, mm-hmm. uh, let's just use it in a general sense, <laughs> just like, I mean, just to reiterate what you said, is that life change. Here's somebody who was living life, it, it probably just in the way that he had planned it yeah, um, and persecuting what, what he thought was basically, you know, let's call it evil. He was trying to, you know, push back against something that um, from his perspective was not good. Right. A heresy of Judaism. Yes, exactly. And yet then just a 180 and now, um, and now giving his life to serve the purpose of, of bringing the gospel to people and serving the church. Um, that's a huge evidence of, of revelation. And just and that can happen in our lives too. The revelation of Jesus, oh my gosh, my life has changed. Now I'm living for him. I was living for myself before. That's that's a big that's big evidence of that. I think one of the you know claims to fame for the apostle Paul is that he went from persecutor of the church to being will a person that's willing to be persecuted. Mm-hmm. Uh, as part of the church. Yeah. Like he went wow. from persecuted to perse- persecutor to persecuted. Yeah. That'll preach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and uh, it begs the question, what happened? Mm. You know, if you're just... And, and basically, he's, he's pushing people to look at this from uh, the 30,000-foot view, and that mm-hmm. is, okay, we knew him this way. He had a, he had a track record of... of great success as a Jewish leader. He was famous. He was uh, probably wealthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, He was sophisticated. Mm -hmm. He was well-respected. He flushed that down the toilet all at one time, and now he's willing to be broke and persecuted and, you know, stoned in a ancient Middle Eastern uh, <laughs> view of that word, yeah. and, and shipwrecked and all these kind oh, yeah. of things for the cause of, of Christ and for the sake of the gospel. Okay, something really changed there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's undeniable. Yeah, I, I liked what you said, Kyle, about he's saying, look, there is no other explanation mm-hmm. for my life except Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and it's that power of the, his own personal transformation that now is making him a special apostle to the Gentiles. Now he's a special apostle because he the, the an apostle biblically is somebody who saw and perhaps even interacted with Jesus prior to his death, 
burial, and resurrection, and then also after his death, burial, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. The Apostle Paul did not interact with him before or prior to his right. death, burial, and resurrection. So it's a special <clears throat> apostleship. This is a special calling on his life that the other apostles didn't have. And so he fought the accusation, you're not a real apostle. Right. Uh, you're you not know, the same as the other exactly. ones that we know about. People like Peter yeah. is a better apostle. But, um, man, Andy Stanley tells a great story, and I think I referred to it last week, about, man, we need to get this job done. We need a guy like the Apostle Paul who <laughs> will just get it done. Yeah. Talking about a driven and zealous. He took that zeal against the church and then used it for the church. And, yeah. and what a great uh, story of conversion. Yeah. yeah. Like awesome. I mean, realistically, like we, if you're a listener in modern times, I mean, you're thinking like people like Billy Graham or uh, maybe Tim Keller or John Piper, or, you know, mm-hmm. if you're older, maybe you're thinking like, you know, Thomas Aquinas, some older people had some great ministries and impacted thousands. Mm-hmm. Paul literally planted hundreds of little churches all around in a time when it was not a fashion to do so yeah. and experience a lot of trials doing it. And like in a very, I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but a very short amount of like actual lifespan. Mm-hmm. It did some crazy cool things. But I mean, unless you got something else to add, I want to jump ahead to the, uh, yeah, go the ahead. that last verse, which is where I kind of, as a leader, I love to hear that. And it's basically, I'm just going to read the last two verses in uh, mm-hmm. chapter one. And it says that uh, they only heard the report. The man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. Mm. And they praised God because of me. I love that last verse because like Paul is by all accounts, he was a, like you said, he had, came from a great lineage, super well educated, all the, all the check boxes of success. Mm-hmm. And now he gets all the check boxes of success in church life. He's a great planter and a father of many churches, but he's saying, Hey, no, 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 not because of me, but it's going, it, the glory is to God. And that for me as a leader, cause I see so many, uh, unfortunately so many church leaders bringing the glory on themselves. And they're not just directing like, hey, God did this ministry. I just happen to be filling the shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is such a good point. I, I noticed the exact same thing listening to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill yeah. uh, podcast has been a real, you know, real wake up call, I think, for a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. That is a fantastic passage. I like that um, this this last little paragraph is about his missionary journey, his first missionary journey yeah. into Galatia area, and mm-hmm. that's who he's writing, of course, right now. And um, it was a weird deal. He was he was uh, accepted as a god mm-hmm. at first, yeah. Like, oh, this guy's done miracles, and then he starts to preach to them and man the tide turned like yeah. 180 and now they're stoning him to death you know he didn't die of course but uh, they tried to kill the guy yeah mm-hmm. and uh all of it you know from his perspective at this point in his life when he's writing this letter is you know what it's all good it's for the glory of god um happy to do it that yeah. type of a thing i i just think if I'm reading, if I'm, you know, in terms of a devotional life, I'm saying to myself, okay, what am I willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? And then I'm asking myself this question, who is praising God 
on account of me? Ooh. Mm. That, you know, those are the kind of questions I want to ask at the end of a devotional time. And mm. I think maybe we could end on that. Wow, yeah. One last thing I just want to add. I mean, that's really great, Paul. That is that is a good question to be asking listeners if you are maybe in a time of devotional right now and listening to this. Like, that's a great mm-hmm. question to be asking. Um, one thing that I just wanted to add to the end, basically verse 24 that we've been talking about, um, I think is, sh- is such a, a small statement shows such a big part of the gospel where Paul, um, or formerly Saul, had been making um, life hell for the church. Mm-hmm. But that's as simple as I can put it. Probably killing people that mm-hmm. they knew. Yeah. And yet the gospel is so powerful instead of being... Um, maybe hesitant, you know, like about this and be like, oh, like, I don't know. He really caused us a lot of trouble. He killed so-and-so and that person's in prison and, you know, all these things. They're praising God because of that restoration and redemption for him, you know? And um, that's a good question to be asking too, is am I praising God when somebody turns from, from yeah. sin, Yes, you know, and saying, oh my gosh, I'm so, you know, even they, they might've hurt me. Yeah. I'm so glad that they found. Are we Jesus. holding that like past life against them? Yeah, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all dropping some hammers on these people at the ending. <laughs> yeah. Good things to consider, honestly. Yeah, sometimes we, and this is a sign that we've been tainted by religion, and that is our standing with God is based on our own performance. When we have some sinner's head underwater, and we hope they never repent. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That type of thing. I mean, we are so out of bounds at that point, and Mm -hmm. so I love your point. Uh, Let's rejoice and just kind of admit, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would probably have done the exact same thing as Mm -hmm. they did. And just be honest about that. Yeah, so Uh, Absolutely. Well, guys, we're at our time for today, but so glad that both of you could join us. Uh, Kyle, thanks for filling in for for Eric while he's away. And um, I'm so glad that we can go through this, and hopefully our listeners will be able to continue as as we continue through Galatians and get something out of it. So thank you guys for being here. Listeners, thanks for being here today. We'll catch you next week. Thanks again for joining us for the Fully Delighted Podcast. If you enjoyed this hopeful and helpful resource, We'd love to have you leave us a review or share an episode with a friend. For more information about SMCC, please visit us at our website at smccutah.org. Thank you for trusting us with your time, and we look forward to having you back again soon.